You're listening to WCAT Radio, your home for authentic Catholic programming. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Cynthia Tulin Wilson, and I'm here on my show, Author to Author, with Sean Kelly, who wrote a very interesting book called The Visitor. How are you tonight, Sean? I'm doing amazing, and it's an honor to be here, Cynthia. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this interview because uh, COVID is such a dastardly disease and it's ravaging the world, really. So I'll be very interested in, in your thoughts and in what you've been through. Well, I'm excited uh, to share. Yes, that's great. Um, would you like to start us with a prayer? That would be wonderful. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, please help Cynthia's show touch the lives of everyone who hears it and help your, your message be delivered and fill the hearts uh, of, of all the listeners with the Holy Spirit and lead them to action. And in this, we pray. St. Michael, pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So um, what is it that led you to write this? It was the... It was wanting God's truth to be known, um, Cynthia. You know, I uh, leading up to my COVID illness, I had mm-hmm. taken in so much disinformation about what COVID actually does to your body, how to deal with it and treat it, um, and and how not to treat it. And as a result, um, a good friend of mine, I lost a good friend of mine just months before uh, before my near death experience from COVID. And I believe that the misinformation out there um, led, led her to die and, along with countless others. Um, and, and then ultimately almost caused me to make some, well, let's put it this way. It did cause me to make some poor decisions regarding how to treat COVID and how to, how to get through it. And then ultimately, um, because this is a, a faith-based book, uh, it was, it was, the, it was, the Holy Spirit and, and, and God, uh, the lessons that I learned through about faith, love, and, and prayer that actually got me through it in the end. Um, mm-hmm. So, so this book is is designed to inform and inform people so they hear what they need to hear and and help people know what really happens in the hospitals, what COVID really does to you, and essentially by I believe that you know God's truth, um, you know, it's like lighting a candle in a dark room, right? It lights up the whole thing. That's what I'm trying to do with this book. Okay. Okay. And uh, my understanding is that uh, you had COVID fairly bad. Oh, yes. Yes. I had a a very, very extreme case of it to the point where, um, you know, two weeks in, I wasn't getting better, continued to to go downhill to where I I couldn't walk. And um, even though I was taking all the humanly medicines available, uh, worldly medicines available to me, mm-hmm. um, it still wasn't enough. And it still led me to uh, being driven at a high rate of speed in an ambulance to, into the ER, where um, where I almost was uh, actually placed on a ventilator. Oh, yeah. And I'm still recovering. And that, that happened um, in December, um, the middle, middle of December. And still, here we are. Um, I just got off oxygen about uh, 45 days ago. And uh, I'm still recovering now. And here we are in the middle of April of 2022, a new year. Yeah, it's a very, very serious disease, I'm sure. Very serious. Uh, Otherwise, we wouldn't, I mean, even, I I can't remember anything that has had such devastating consequences um, so quickly. I mean, I know polio uh, when I was young in the 50s was bad. but I don't, this is, there's something like evil about it. It, it just is, um, it's just everywhere. And the effects are so, so devastating on so many people. It is, it is pure evil. I, Cynthia, I couldn't agree more. It, it thrives on darkness. It feeds on fear and anxiety. Um, if, if there was a disease designed by you know, Satan himself, I, I would say it would be COVID. Absolutely. Uh- yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, why don't you walk us through the uh, what's important in the book, um, what you see as the most important messages? Sure. That you have to us. Thank you for thank you for asking. 
Yeah, the, the most important messages throughout the visitor are, you know, number one is, is, is that we are, you know, as, as Americans, right, we actually do, we have this camaraderie, we have this community, and COVID has tried to divide us. It's created a very big division between, you know, just normal, everyday people like myself and the medical community. Um, and, and it's unfounded. It doesn't, it's, it's not, it shouldn't be there. The divide should not be there. People that have been going into these hospitals are, are actually dying, declining any sort of medical treatment uh, or, or medicine or uh, telling the nurses and the doctors that COVID doesn't even exist. It's a conspiracy. And that, that is the, you know, the ultimate lie. Right. And then the second part is, is that they, people are refusing to take the met, the, some of the medicine that the doctors are trying to offer, which, you know, after two years of serving in a COVID unit, these doctors have, and unfortunately it's all trial and error because it was all new. Um, you know, mm-hmm. but, but these doctors have seen what's worked and what hasn't. And thank, thank God that I did get COVID when I did, if I had had it earlier, there's no doubt I wouldn't have made it. But point is, is that, um, you know, I, I want to help mend the divide. I want people, I want the nurses and doctors to like, to know that their patients trust them. And I want people going to these hospitals to know that these nurses and doctors are humans trying to save their lives. And just yeah. that, that would be the first key, key point in the book. Mm-hmm. So um, I know for sure that there is a great deal of um, misinformation. Um, you know, when my husband, um, my husband's older than me, he's 86, I'm 72. We were going crazy trying to find the vaccine, right? I mean, once we finally were able to get it, it was like, he got it first. And I was like, ah, I wish I was older. (laughs) 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 But anyway, so, um, so we did, um, we did both get the, the first shot, then the second shot. When the booster came out, we got it. And when the second booster came out, we got it. And we know people who really think it's like, you know, there's, there's nothing in there. It's, it's all just like sugar water or the alternative that it includes aborted baby parts. So it's, um, you know, just an enormous amount of misinformation where, People with no medical expertise are insisting that they know more than the doctors. It's it's really weird. I've never yeah. seen them before. Yeah, that's something that I, I break down in the book um, because you know, and, and and we touch on the you know so even some of the the doctors or nurses who who left the, the COVID unit um, early, you know, to a few months in, who are are spreading information about what medicines work or don't work and. You know, at the end of the day, it's like, did you see it through? Did you see the the trials through to the com- to completion? Um, because the treatments now today have have changed drastically. So if if a nurse is out there sharing disinformation on social media from what they experience in the first sixty or ninety days of of that, and and God bless all of the nurses and doctors, that's who this book is is attributed to. It's anyone who's battling um, to fight to survive or to cure others of this illness or any other terminal illness for that matter. Um, but if, if they're out spreading information that's uh, outdated by 18 months, it's, it's old and it's definitely out of date and they need to stop <laughs> And that, because it is creating a ton of fear and anxiety. And, you know, I was in, uh, I don't know if, uh, if Sebastian, Dr. Sebastian shared this with you or not, I was in psychological operations in the military and, you know, our job was to analyze a, a target audience and then influence them to try to help meet objectives, you know, U.S. objectives. And I, I kept thinking to myself as I experienced the uh, myself as I, I bought into this disinformation that was out there, and and I tried to avoid going to the hospital to the point where again it almost killed me, like it did my friend uh, Brittany yeah. back in September. Um, as I was bought, I bought into that, I, I re- and I realized that how wrong that all that information and propaganda was. Uh, mm-hmm. I realized, man, how many people are dying to this disinformation, and and then I started thinking if I was going to try to influence a target audience to not get help. I would do it exactly how our, our current government situation is doing it, uh, which yeah. is, is kind of scary. It makes you wonder, like, you were, are they doing this stuff on purpose? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Who knows? We don't. But, not but, I'm not accusing by any means, but it's just, it's, it's definitely, uh, 
you know, again, it's a it's a pandemic and it's the first time this has happened in our lifetime. And I think we all have to give each other, including our government and our country and our medical professionals, grace and how we handle it. But at the end of the day, the God's truth has got to get out there. We need to we need to spread the word on on what you know treatments actually do, what the risks are, um, who's right for the treatments, who's wrong for the treatments, what happens if you don't accept them, those those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but it is, you know, it's not like being afraid of getting the, you know, a flu shot or something. I mean, this is something that kills people very effectively. And from what I've understood, I have a couple of friends, actually, people who are students of mine in the past, and they have something called long COVID. Mm-hmm. And it's like one of these women had more energy than anyone I ever knew in the world. I mean, she was just like a go getter. And she said she just, doesn't even feel like getting out of bed. She stays in bed all day. And it was like, well, uh, you know, I mean, so it's, it's really, um, it's really a serious disease. It's, it's funny because I remember um, when AIDS was first here and um, you know how at that point it was all accusations against, you know, accusations against the people who had had, um, basically same sex relationships so it's it was again a blame game um you know so i'm not obviously approving of that um of that kind of behavior but what i'm saying is that you know it is a disease that people need to have treatment for and it was like well this is your own fault and now it's even much more violent what maybe 20 years later where it's like it's it's some kind of government conspiracy to kill people or something so i i don't understand you know if you go back like to the spanish flu and you know the 1917 1918 where or even the black plague when everybody knew it was something was a disease and they were trying to combat the disease rather than people who got it you know, it's, that's really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another area of the book that that we talk about in the visitor is the the, the divide between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated, and how if you fo- mm-hmm. if you spend all your energy focused on the problem, then you can't spend any energy. You don't have anything left to focus on on the solution, and right. and that's truly where where everyone needs to focus our efforts right now. Yes, yes. So, um, so you had not had the uh the shot before the the vaccine before you caught it is that correct that's correct yeah and everyone asked me that were you vaccinated and 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 everyone for those that are listening on the radio you know everyone's like how did you get it so bad like you're you're in shape you're a runner you're a swimmer you're an ex-military guy and um so you know they're they're the effects how it, how it affects everyone differently is is another big surprise right and they there's a lot of media coverage about how it affects you know elderly people or uh, immunocompromised but uh, but man, it doesn't really discriminate. Once once it decides it's going to really mess with you, you know, it really does a lot of damage. And and yeah, ex- experiencing the long COVID myself is is the struggle is real. There's there's no doubt. But yeah, I was, I was unvaccinated, and that's that's part two, two reasons. Um, number one, I knew that this was a um, you know this was and in my my doctor one of my doctors and I quote him in saying you know this vaccine was the largest experiment done in, in human history as far as medical experiments goes. And, and that's because it was a new vaccine that was a new type. Um, but, uh, and then the other, the other side was for my business and for what I do. I mean, it's like one of those things that it was on my to-do list to get vaccinated, but I just, you know, kind of never made it a priority and got around to it. And, um, and that was partly my aversion to, because of the fear that, you know, all of the, the information out there um, about the, the adverse reactions to the vaccine and the data. I mean, think about it like this, the data constantly, you know, say like the World Health Organization saying uh, adverse reactions are six times what's actually being reported on VAERS or more. And, you know, so you get all these conflicting uh, uh, inf- messages, which causes a lot of fear. And, and then and then on top of that, as a, as a veteran, a military veteran, and someone who really values freedom in our, our U.S. Constitution, I'm not a big fan of, of medical type mandates. I don't necessarily want my government telling me what I should put in my body or my kids' bodies. And 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 that definitely caused me to put up a little resistance to getting it too. So, and that, I think there's a lot of Americans facing that now. Yes, but I also I 
I have heard that accusation many times that the government is telling us that we have to. But the government is, to me, the government is saying this is available. You should get it if you, you know if you don't want to get the disease. So it could be also that, um, you know, I'm one of those unusual people who actually trusts the government. <laughs> no judgment. I, I mean, I see elections happen and, and things come out right. So, you know, I mean, until just recently. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so um, I, I've never actually heard something that made me think that the government was going to force us to do that or, you know, really try to strong arm people into it. Maybe I just wasn't, uh, it, it could just be, I think our own psychological makeups, you know? So, um, we were, both of us were just as eager as beavers, you know, we'll, we'll be first in line, you know? And, uh, <laughs> so it's, it, it, when I look at how many people um, have made that accusation about the government trying to to put some to tell you what you have to do, as opposed to what you should do, and or or telling you what they think you should do, but the other part of it is so many of these people are good good Catholics. You know, I mean, I work in an all Catholic environment. I mean, we we do occasionally have. A, a different type of Christian come. Actually, right now we have even a Muslim studying with us, but by and large, a Catholic institution. And many, many people are so adverse to that. And I've seen people who've gotten it here, you know, uh, not close enough to get near them, but, and it's like, wow, you know, look at what you're going through. So, yeah. It's true. It's uh, you know, and, and that's the thing. It's like, whether, whether someone's vaccinated or not, um, I mean, who, who am I to judge? Right. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it is an experiment. So to each their own, and we do live in a, in a free country, which is a beautiful thing. And thankfully yeah. the government didn't actually force, um, force the vaccines. Um, it was more like the rhetoric, you know, that, that I think puts people on, on edge a little bit, at least for me, I can't speak for everyone, but for me yeah. and some of the people that, you know, that I, I know of, like the, the rhetoric about, you know, vaccine passports or, you know, to cross state lines to travel, you know, those are the type of, uh, the type mm -hmm. of words that seem to put people on the, raise the level of fear that, uh oh, they're going to try to force this. And, you know, why not? They're doing it with masks. Why wouldn't they segue that to vaccines? You know, so mm -hmm. that's where I guess, and I'm just kind of sharing some of where my anxiety is yeah. around it. And I think that's good because I've never, I've never really understood that. Um, but again, it's when people have vastly different backgrounds. I mean, you, you're coming from a military background. The closest I've ever been to military is watching them go by in the 4th of July parade. You know, so I mean, I really, other than what I see on television in, uh, you know, like NCIS, <laughs> you know, I have no idea, right? So obviously, um, you know, I'm not trying to discount what people are saying. I understand that they really believe it just like I really believe what I believe. And, you know, so there's, you know, I think that we have to respect each other, um, you know, just in general as a society, which right now we're having a little trouble doing, but yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, so you didn't have the vaccine and you came down with COVID. Do you have any idea how you got it? You know, it's we for those of you that are. I know this is on St. Louis radio, and I live here in, in uh, Missouri and south of St. Louis. We were actually we did we did a Branson trip about a week before. So it's and we, we were in a lot of like we went to a couple shows and we went through a lot of museums where there's a lot of uh, you know touching of exhibits and, and I had my hand sanitizer with me and, and was masked up the whole time. But I'm sure it was probably on that trip. Um, we did get a contact call from. We have three kids. I have a a six-year-old in, in elementary school, we did get a contact call that she had been exposed a couple of times. Um, when we first, my family came down with it, it was me and all three of my kids at the same day. <laughs> we we kind of got hit with it all at once. And then my wife ended up getting it uh, a couple of weeks, about a week and a half later. So it's hard to say if it was from our Branson trip or from the school, but it was one of those two things that we believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, obviously it was very bad. 
Um, so I don't know how much of that you want to share. I know. I'd, you know. I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love to share the story. And, and also the, the second point of the book, which is, you know, the, can I, Cynthia, may I share the, uh, the subtitle of the book? Of course. So the subtitle to the visitor is, is how a near death COVID experience taught one man that faith, love, and prayer are God's remedy for survival and fulfillment. Mm. So that's where, um, you know, the, the, the second main point of the book is how God got me through it. You know, it was, it was, it was faith. It was allowing my opening, opening myself up to allowing God to, um, really take care of me and trusting that he was going to, and, and just letting go of any fears or doubts and, and knowing that the nurses and doctors and medicine that he was putting in front of me, uh, was there to bring me back to life and, and save me. And, uh, so I'll, I'll kind of break down the story. Um, so I, December 3rd is when I came down with COVID and it, it first started off with a very high fever. I actually thought I didn't even know I had a fever. I thought my furnace was out. It was a cold December night. Right. And, uh, I went and checked the thermostat. It was 73 degrees. And I'm like, okay, maybe I have a fever. So I took my temperature and I had, I had 104.8 fever, um, that Friday night. Yeah, it was crazy. And I'd always heard, right. COVID yep. is a low grade fever. So I didn't even think I had COVID yet at this point, uh, because it was just a high fever. I assumed I'd gotten the flu. So I ended up, um, I ended up, you know, a day goes by a Saturday and I was in bed most of the day and then Sunday hits. And that's when my nose started running and I lost my taste and I started the dry cough. And then, and then Sunday was also the day that my other, all three of my kids came down with it as well. And then, wow. um, and then come to, so it's day six, I was really starting to, like my fever wasn't going away. I was feeling really uh, fatigued, like r- dangerously fatigued, where I just could not get out of bed. I could, you know, I was just having a hard time walking. And um, so we went to urgent care. My wife t- took me to urgent care. Uh, my wife at this point, you know, t- and we had gotten COVID tests and, you know, me and the kids all had COVID. It was confirmed that uh, Monday. Uh, and then literally we go to urgent care this, the sixth day and the, uh, the, I had a 24 year old nurse practitioner. I'll never forget the look on his face. Cynthia, he, uh, he listened, he was listening to my chest and his face turned ghost white. And he was like, we got to get you an x-ray and a CT scan. And he started like stammering over his words. And he, so I, I get an x-ray and CT scan right there at the urgent care. And, uh, he comes back and he's just like, he looks like he's sad. And I'm like, what's going on, man? His demeanor started to worry me. Uh, and, uh, he, he says to me, man, I, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but like you have really severe COVID pneumonia. I've never seen a case this bad. And he asked me what day I was on. And I said, day six. And he says, well, he's like, you look like you have day 12 pneumonia. He goes, this is really bad. I've never seen you got, he goes, you should try to get a monoclonal antibody treatment. And I'm going to, and he prescribed me like an inhaler and a Z pack and some other stuff, Cynthia. And, uh, but I was like, can you give me the monoclonal antibody treatment? He said, no, because you're day six. Um, and also you're not high risk. Um, if you were high risk or you're day six, then you could get it. Uh, and I was like, well, what's high risk mean? He's like, well, you know, prior pneumonia, asthma, um, you know, obese, uh, elderly. He started going through the list and I did have prior pneumonia and asthma as a kid. So as a result, um, now he wasn't able to give me the treatment. They did call me a few days later and said that, but my wife, man, she, she went to town. She found a doctor down in, um, where was it? Uh, down South. It was like a small town, an hour and a half of, of Barnhart where we're from. And she found a doctor to give me a monoclonal antibody treatment. So I got that on day seven. Um, I was taking a B-roll inhaler and that doctor did an oxygen test and said, man, you, we should get you an oxygen um, uh, compensator for your house. So you can you know, have some oxygen in, you know, going in your nose for, for home because your oxygen's a little on the low side. You know, it was dipping in the low nineties. And they say, if it's under 90, you should go to, you know, to the ER. Uh, but I was getting to like 91, 92 range at that doctor's office. But that monoclonal treatment, man, it it gave me. So the next day I felt I could taste again. And I felt actually within 24 hours, I started to feel a little better. Um, that's another thing COVID does with or without the treatments like that um, is that it, you can feel like you're starting to get better. <laughs> but in reality, you're you're really not. So it causes people to to maybe go out in public or or mm-hmm. start overdoing it. Um but yeah, day, day, uh, so December 18th was the day and, uh, that I actually went to the hospital and that's because I got up to use the restroom. And at this point I had two oxygen compensators blowing, uh, 20 liters of oxygen into my nose at home. Oh. And, uh, and, and, and that I stood up to use the restroom and the pain in my, there was this extreme pain in my ankles and my knees, and it caused me to double over. And I ended up, um, ended up fainting and waking up on the bathroom floor in a puddle of my own, my own urine. 
And uh, that's when I knew it was time to go to the hospital. And all I kept thinking of was my friend, Brittany, who was a 36 year old mother of two who died in September at home. And she kept telling her husband, um, no hospital, no ventilator. Um, and, and, and then she didn't make it through that night. So as a result, I'm, I kept thinking of her voice and I kept hearing her in my head saying that. And, and that's when I knew. And this was me the day, I don't know if uh, listeners can see, but there's a little picture of me the day I went oh. to the hospital. You look terrible. <laughs> I look really, really, you don't even look like you. Yeah, it's crazy. You can, can you see the, sw- the swelling I had yeah. in my face? So Your that's color- what, yeah. Yeah, that's where the extreme pain was was in my joints because COVID attacks our bodies in three three ba- main ways. Like number one is is uh, the organ swelling. Um, it causes extreme swelling, which is, it affects your joints and your kidneys. For about a week, I hadn't slept at that point. Um, I was I was constantly freezing cold, Cynthia. Like no matter how much Tylenol I would take, I couldn't get my fever below 101, 102, and uh, I was always shivering. And then it felt like when I, at night when I try to sleep, I was laying on a bed of knives. It was the most pain I've ever, ever felt in my life. And that day when I stood up and I felt like my knees had been like, they were shattered. I, and I, I fainted, uh, my oxygen dropped into the sixties. And I, that's the last thing I remember was looking at my pulsometer and it was like 59 or 60. I forget, but I, I remember how low it was. And then I woke up on the bathroom floor. So I told my wife, it's time for me to go to the doctor or the hospital. And she, at this point had had COVID for three or four days. She was fatigued as they, as all get out. She's like, I can no longer help you, honey. And she, she turned in the art. I, I describe how uh, our spouse, I, I, I do a lot of uh, quoting of the word talking about Ephesians, how my wife just, you know, went full. I, I'm, I'm telling you, she transformed into the archangel Michael and, and went to war against COVID to try to save me and our family. It was beautiful. Um, but she, uh, but she couldn't help me anymore. And, and, and I needed to help myself by going to the doctor. So they rush me in an ambulance. They take me, I'm, I'm laying in the ER and the doctor's explaining to me that, you know, here in the ER, they're going to put me on this vapotherm, which, which gives you, uh, up to, I think 50 liters of oxygen. Um, and, and it's, it's like sticking your head out the window, Cynthia going 70 miles an hour, uh, and letting all the air go up your nose. It kind of feels like that. <laughs> and, uh, and as I'm laying there and he's telling me, if this doesn't stabilize you at 90 or above, we're going to have to put you into a medically induced coma and put you on a ventilator. He's like, we're going to monitor you for a few hours here. And you're either going to go to the ICU on a ventilator, or you're going to go to the step down unit and try to survive and, and heal there. Um, and I'm like, okay, cool. As long as I'm home by Christmas, I kept telling myself, you know, okay, like that Friday when I got sick, as long as I'm better by Monday, so I can get back to work. And as long as I'm, you know, as long as I'm better by Christmas, Anyways, uh, it's funny how our plans don't always align with God's, right? Yeah, sure don't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but as I'm laying there, um, and I'm I'm just trying to um, trying to keep my oxygen levels up, I'm just sucking up the oxygen. All of a sudden, the alarms start going off, and the doctor, the doctor and nurses come running in the room, and all of a sudden, I had to use the restroom. I had to go number two, and I lost all control of my bowels. And, um, you know, for, for a guy who's, you know, a runner, swimmer, military guy, someone who stays in pretty good shape. Um, I was, I felt, I guess you could say at the time I was humiliated and I was, I was embarrassed and, uh, I felt like a, a very low form of life being covered in, in my own, uh, feces like that in front of a bunch of a room, of stra- full of strangers that I didn't still didn't at this point trust. And, um, because of all the, the propaganda I'd taken in, right? Like, what are these guys going to do? I, I was fearful. The medicine was going to shut down my kidneys. Um, and so anyway, the doctors, the alarms are going off. My oxygen isn't stabilizing the doctors, the nurses are in, he's telling the nurses to grab this and that to ventilate me. And uh, I was terrified. Cynthia, I was, I was shivering, um, I, from head to toe. I felt like there was knives in my back and I'd oh. never been scareder in my life. And I've been in some serious combat situations. I spent two years in combat zone deployments. And, uh, this was the scaredest, uh, closest to death. I feel like I had ever been. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you were. Yeah. But, and then, and this is where everything changed. This is where God, and this is where the visitor comes from. So I was a hospital visitor and then I get a visitor right now in this ER room. Um, So all of a sudden I feel a warmth beside my bed and I look over and the doctor's standing at one place and next to him has materialized a glowing yellow spirit. And, um, and I don't tell this story lightly because, um, I mean, I'm a business consultant. I'm an executive coach. I, you know, I own a company, the top, the top uh, people development company in, in automotive. So sharing this, you know, I never thought I would have a story like this to tell. Let's put it that way. Um, so as I'm, I'm laying there and the doctor's, you know, explaining to me, 
how he's going to have to ventilate me and, and asking me who they, who else they need to call besides my wife. Um, all of a sudden I felt this warmth and I look over and, and there was this beautiful yellow, glowing golden yellow spirit. Um, and, uh, and right away I knew who it was. It was actually my friend who had died in September. And, um, and she spoke into my head. I could hear her like she was standing next to me talking, but it was, she, she wasn't talking. Uh, I understand. And, and the sound that she made, like her voice completely drowned out everything else in that room, the alarms, the doctors, the nurses, and all I heard was her. And she said, it's not your time yet. You're going to be okay. And, uh, and then the spirit reached out into my chest and, um, that's hard to talk about without <laughs> feeling that it's a powerful feeling. It's not a bad uh, thing, Cynthia, but uh, she reached into my chest and I felt a warmth at first for the first time in, in over two weeks, I felt a warmth wash through my body and the pain in my kidneys and my joints went away. And all of a sudden I could breathe. And it was like, it, it was the most amazing feeling. I felt so at peace. I just felt content. I knew I was going to be okay at the, from that point on. And uh, other than, than one other scare I had, but, uh, but it was funny because all of a sudden the, the alarm stopped going off and uh, the nurse says, doctor, uh, and the fear you know, disappears. And the, the nurse says, doctor, he's stabilizing again. What, what should we do? And the doctor scratches his head and he starts, they start, he's like, check the, you know, check the wires, check the, and they start checking everything. And, uh, and he's like, he's scratching his head. He goes, well, let's give him some more time. And they left the room and uh, I fell asleep and I slept better than I had in, in weeks. <laughs> and, uh, and that, so that was the, that was my visitor in the hospital. The only visitor I had the whole uh, eight to 10 days I was there, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I believe you because I think, um, I think that in, especially in adverse situations, there's too many people who say something has occurred that are people that would never have said anything like that. Uh, my mother, for instance, um, she said that she had seen, she had some kind of um, like a tumor in the uterus and she saw something uh, just come and sit on her stomach and leave. And then there was no tumor. Now, I, I mean, oh. He told me that I said, yeah, right. Uh, my mother and I did not have a good relationship. She had tried to abort me. Um, but um, I remember, I remember her saying that and being, you know, I mean, she wasn't, she was definitely not lying. I knew that she believed what she had said. Um, and I've run across this so many times, especially in the kind of work I do as a theologian, you know, I believe you. It's God comes or God sends someone sometimes. And we see that all the time in scripture. Yeah. And, and then, um, and that, so that night when I slept and, and this, I, again, I, I say this is a dream. I, I don't, I'm not convinced it was, but uh, here's, here's what happened next. So that night when I slept, first off, I, I saw myself um, in, in a new room. I knew I wasn't in the ER. And, uh, and I saw, it was interesting. I saw things in the room that I knew it was a different room and I didn't know what they were, but it's when I woke, when I woke up the next day I, or two days later, I guess I saw those things and I'm like, okay, how would I have seen them while I was sleeping? Right. So that was an interesting thing. But, um, so I'm, I'm looking down at myself, laying in the bed, all of a sudden I'm soaring through, through space. Um, and, and then I'm looking at the earth and I, at first I thought I was on the moon. And, and then I realized well, I felt this intense, powerful love. It's like the first time I reminds me of when I held my firstborn son and just holding him, looking at that little baby. But, it, but I, I was the baby, if that makes sense. I was the one being loved and it filled my heart. Um, and, and I'm looking at the earth thinking, wow, this is beautiful. All of a sudden I'm zipping back towards earth. Um, and, I, and I look back because I want to see the moon, what I thought was I, I was standing on. And it turned out it was this giant arm. And on it were all these like millions of little yellow dots, which I realized, hey, those are spirits, no different. And they're similar, same color as the spirit in, in my hospital room. And uh, and then when I, I woke up and I didn't have my cell phone, Cynthia, this is where things get really, really interesting. Uh, I didn't have my cell phone, but you know, I didn't even know. We, we didn't go around telling everyone Sean was sick with COVID, but my my team called you know a bunch of our clients and said, hey, Sean's sick, you know, just so you know. But, uh, but I, my, my wife apparently had posted something on Facebook the day I went to the hospital. I didn't know that it happened. When I went to the hospital, I didn't even bring my cell phone, um, which that tells you how sick I was, if you know me. But anyways, 
but but I, I I wake up and I'm just filled with this this joy and this love and 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 I I've never yeah. been happier in my life than I was right then and there and it was it was the most unbelievable paradox Cynthia because my knees felt like they were broken and my my uh, my lungs felt like they were when I when I woke up right and my lungs felt like they're filled with melted molten plastic and gravel and my head felt like it was beaten with a tire iron but I was. I, but it was like my soul was like this sponge yes. holding, holding all the water of the oceans, but it was love, not water. And, and, yeah. and I just felt this amazing love. And, and no matter who would come in that room, a doctor, a nurse, um, I mean, I knew that I could tell they were suffering. I could see the pain they were in. So I started asking them about it. And, and I found out that these people are just, you know, they're burning the candle at both ends. They're seeing you know, a 27 year old nurse named Ben who saved my life one night. He, uh, when I, when I developed blood clots in my lungs, that's the second way COVID attacks is, so you got the organ swelling, you got the blood clots. Um, and then the third is the cytokine storm. Um, but this Ben, ben guy saved my life in the middle of the night with these blood clots. And then, he, you know, but all I could think about was like, I'm here for a reason. God put me here to love these people and to help them any way I can. So that's mm-hmm. kind of became my, my mantra. And I, you know, that's where the, the love part comes in. It's, you know, we, as people, um, it doesn't matter where we're from, like we're one body. So it doesn't matter if this is a nurse that you just met or someone in another country, we are one body and we need to love each other just like we love ourselves. So that kind of became my mission. And, uh, and that dream, uh, that dream, again, I say it's a dream, but, uh, when I woke up and I was, every time I would blink, I would see people praying for me that I, I hadn't, some people I hadn't seen in three or four or five years. When I got my phone, I had over 250 some odd text messages and videos from people, um, saying, mm-hmm. showing me that, hey, our Sean, our whole congregation's praying for you. And this, yeah. these are, I was seeing them praying for me, doing the sign of the cross, a guy named Phil that I hadn't seen in five years. He had sent me a picture of, of him and his church praying for me. And literally, I saw that when I blinked before I even got my phone and knew that he was praying for me. So yeah. what, I, what I want people, the second big point of this book is that I want people to understand that, that God is, loves us. God loves you so much. Uh, more than you can ever fathom. And, um, and that feeling has gone for, for me, you know, um, I'm kind of back to, no- I, I don't think I could have ever gone back to being a normal, normal person if I would continued to experience that. But, uh, but God loves you and everyone so much and, um, and cares about you more than you could ever fathom. And he is, every time you suffer, God is suffering with you. Um, and and I, I felt that and, um, and God wants you to uh, thrive in, in this life and the next. So um that's really what it boils down to. That's the other, I guess, second big point of the book. <laughs> Sorry, it's, I know it's a lot. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry. <clears throat> no, I, um, I understand exactly what you're saying. Um, and, you know, I, I also think that when we're really sick, um, when we're really, really sick, like gonna die type sick, I think that that, you know, that we're more sensitive and we can pick up God's love easier or more immediately or in a different way, maybe, uh, than when we are, you know, running around doing our jobs. And, you know, so, um, you know, and again, it's similar. I've heard I've heard stories like that before, although probably not as dramatic. Um, you know, so we we live in this world of matter, and uh, even though spirit is here, obviously, uh, we're not always aware of it. But I think, you know, that you've been given a really great gift there, you know, yeah. to have awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I asked myself, like, why, why me? You know, there's so many people that have um, have died from it. You know, why did, why did God allow me to, you know, be, be here? And, and, and I just constantly, Cynthia, ask myself and try to figure that out and, and try to do what, where I think he's leading me um, mm-hmm. with the, the information that, you know, I, I'm given and that I see. But I, 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 I totally agree with you. It's like when, when all the other noise goes away, really mm-hmm. all there is is you and, and, and our creator. And, um, and yeah, when, when you're that close to death, none of that other noise, and I'm talking about noise being like, I mean, as horrible as it sounds, I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about your, your house, our cars, our bills. Really, in the, in the yep. end, all that matters is our creator. And he definitely let me know that. <laughs> and, yep. um, 
And yeah, and, and it's like, and I think that God speaks to us through others as well. You know, when you start seeing reoccurring messages, sometimes you really gotta, you gotta listen. Like case in point, one of the nurses, um, so 2 a.m. for my 2 a.m. blood draw, one of the nurses came in. Um, they were monitoring my my white blood cell count because of the cytokine cytokine storm, as I kind of touched on earlier. It's when your immune and it's usually people and, and I'm not a doctor, so you know I've shared this. You know, don't take this as medical advice, but the cytokine storm is usually people third, you know, thirties to forties, and uh, it's when your immune system goes haywire trying to save you. And it overproduces, and essentially, my white blood cell count was crazy high. They they were they were attacking my own lung tissue. That happens with COVID, and and as a result, um, had a lot of coughing up blood, and also you know dealing with the blood clots in my lungs. So that was a, a precarious spot to be in. Um, but uh, but it was two a.m. They were coming in for the blood draw to test my my white blood cell count and some of the other I guess uh, chemicals in in the body. And, uh, and what happened was, was the nurse, I could tell, and the nurse was in full garb, right? They have the mask, the double mask situation, you know, it's, and it's dark, but I, I could tell she was really her, like her spirit was, was wounded. And I, and I just, I was like, Kathy, what's wrong? And she's like, I, I can't talk to you about it. You know, and, and I'm, by the way, names are made up, but the problems are real. Uh, cause I don't want to throw any of these amazing human beings under the bus here, but, uh, but you know, so Kathy, uh, the made up nurse here says to me, um, I lost two patients today, people that we cared for for a long time. And, um, and, and she, you know, started crying next to me and, uh, and I could tell how much pain she was in these nurses and doctors are heroes and they're, they're, they're doing everything to save us. And they, you know, Ben, the 27 year old said to me that he, he said, I remember every patient I lose, man. And I don't know how I'm going to live with that for the rest of my life. I feel like I'm carrying this heavy burden, but, uh, but Kathy told me how she felt about losing two patients there. So, and, uh, and, and I said, well, Kathy, why, why do they die? You know, what causes it to happen? And she said, you know, a lot of them are lonely. They don't, you know, you can't have visitors up here. And um, so and I'm like, man, I, I was like, I had the, the best visitor I could have ever asked for. Right. But, but uh, with God, but, uh, but yeah, so, so she says, you can't have visitors, you know, maybe they're elderly, maybe they're, you know, all, all these there, she starts saying these things, but she goes, the biggest thing is like the, the spirit. If people are lonely and their families moved on or passed away and their friends are gone, you know, why would they want to continue to live? And she said, some people want to, want to go on, they want to go home, but they, but the families are like nurses, you know, you better keep them alive. So these nurses are put in really tough spots. Um, But, but she had explained to me about this loneliness patients feel. So the next morning I look at my phone and my daughter, Ava had texted me before I went to bed and she almost, it was almost the exact same verbiage as Kathy had used. She said, dad, I know you're lonely up there and you can't have visitors. So I made you this get well card. And to me, that was, um, that was like God saying, Hey, dummy, here's why you're here. Here's what, you know? Uh, <laughs> so I just said, you know what, Ava, make, don't make one get well card, make like 40 of them and then have mom, let's have them dropped off here. And then we'll give them to the nurses to give to the, the COVID unit, uh, the people that are battling COVID. So one of the cards said like, you know what I love more than cats. I love you getting better. There was actually a patient what? there. What do you, what do you think about that? <laughs> Love. You love cats. I've, I've become a big cat family. <laughs> but uh, so my daughter drops. So we drop off these cards, and one of them said that about cats. There was there was a lady, and, and remember what I said to you earlier. COVID it, it feeds off anxiety and stress and fear. So when you start getting stressed out and anxious, you start breathing more shallow, and you go into hypoxia. And and so at the end of the day, the more calm you are, and the deeper your breaths. Um, the more, the, the more oxygen you can get when you're, and when you're struggling for oxygen, you need every ounce that you can get. Um, I can't tell you how many uh, attacks I had that were just downright terrifying. And, and the, the one thing that would always help me get better, I'd put, put on some gospel music. One of my faith mentors, a guy named Brian, um, he, like, he'd send me his favorite gospel music. I'd put that on, put it by my heart and deep breathe. Right. So this lady was having panic attacks because she had been rushed. She was, she was, I think, close to nine years old. She'd been rushed to the hospital and had to leave her cats at home behind. And she kept going into panic attacks, which was causing her to have hypoxia about leaving her cats. So this, this card, she, she started crying because when she got it because she said, this is a message from God. He's saying, you need to get better so you can go home and take care of your cats. Don't worry about them. They're going to be okay. And, uh, and that, that nurse, when she told me that story about giving that card to that lady, so we, I said, this is why I'm here. And uh, so we started, actually started a nonprofit called Cards for COVID. 
and uh, cards for COVID. So we started getting schools and, and, and we have four states participating uh, where they are. And even, even India is partaking there the, where kids make get well cards for patients and thank you cards for the doctors and the, the nurses. And, mm-hmm. uh, and we deliver those to the ICUs and the, the COVID units. And it's bringing, we get so much great feedback and it's, it's, it's really basically free. I mean, if you think about it and uh, it's making a huge impact on, it's making the nurses' lives easier and just giving the patients that little bit of faith and love and, and hope that they need. So it's been a blessing to be a part of that. I think that's one of the reasons God sent me there. Probably. Yeah. I think that's, uh, you know, a lot of times there's something we should do and we really need to be hit over the head with a shovel to learn that that's what we got to do. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know if I can ever, you know, pay it, pay back what, like you said, the gift I've been given. I, but I, I sure, I promise you this, I will, I'll do everything I can to live every day and to try to pay it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, um, as I've said to many of my, many of the people I've interviewed who have dramatic stories, but nothing quite like this. Um, 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 Cynthia, by the way, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. There, there, Matthew 21, 44, uh, what is it about falling on the rock? Um, uh, and, and whoever oh. shall fall on the stone shall be broken, but on whomever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. You know, that, that's kind of what God did to me. That was him, the, the shovel that you pointed out. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Dang. Yeah, but um, I've talked to many, many people. I've done well over, I think, over 200 of these interviews, and um, I have not heard a story like yours before. Um, I've heard some dramatic stories, but but nothing like this. Actually, I think you're the first person I've known that's had COVID that's gone into detail. A lot of people try to just go, get past it. I don't know if that's even possible. But um, but yeah, you you never know the uh, end results of the good that you do. Um, and this is true of all of us. If if we do good, you know, um, it's not like somebody's going to come and give us an itemization of the good things we've done in this life anyway. And, um, you know, so, I mean, to me, I can understand where a lonely person uh, in the hospital is giving up hope. They don't have anybody anymore and they get a card and it gives them the will to live. You know, you'll, you probably won't know that until you're really gone. And, you know, God tells you or whatever. But, um, but we never know on this earth. The littlest thing that we do can have such a dramatic effect on another person's life. You know, yeah. so that, that sounds like a really good nonprofit. Thank you. Thank you so much. That means so much to me, Cynthia, with your, with your experience and background and, and faith it, to hear that from someone like you means the world to us. And, um, and, you know, it's, it's the, the mother Teresa quote, right? Do small things with great love. You're, you're spot mm-hmm. on with that. It's like all the little things we do are, you know, are, it's a, it, every interaction we have with another human being is, is a chance to bring God's kingdom here. And, and I think that, uh, for, you know, especially after my experience, like I, I owe that to God. And it's amazing. I, I'll tell you how many times I fail at that, uh, <laughs> you know, still. And that's the, you know, the humanity in me. But, uh, but I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> but, uh, what you were yeah. talking about earlier with the, the long haul COVID situation, if, if that would be, I'd say the, the third main point of the book, uh, Cynthia, is simply that, uh, you know, go, returning to life was, you know, if surviving was one of the most painful things, surviving COVID that I've been through physically, um, I would say returning to life was one of the most emotionally and still is one of the most emotionally challenging and draining things I've ever had to do. Um, I, you know, I travel a lot for my work and my business and, um, you know, last month was actually my first month back out on the road. And, uh, you know, so physically, of course, I'm panting just, you know, my team members are carrying my bags to the airport because I'm running out of breath, just wearing my mask and carrying that stuff. But, uh, but emotionally, you know, the night before I'm going to visit a client and I'm sitting there thinking, 
you know, what if they don't want me? And all these thoughts are popping into my head, like inadequacies, and um, which I'd never had before. I mean, not that I'd never had before, but uh, but just that there was this new level of anxiety and fear. Um, and 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 still, I fight it, and and I get tired earlier in the day. It's a battle to get out of bed in the morning, like I've never dealt with. Um, and and I've had sleep apnea my whole life, so I'm used to not getting a lot of sleep. And in the military, they don't let you sleep very much, so I'm kind of used to that. But it's it's another level. So that's the other part of the book is that. You know, I, I put, I really documented the things that I had to do to get myself mentally over it and, and ever, that I continue to have to do every single day. And uh, so, so for those COVID long haulers or anyone who's depressed, um, uh, this book will help you get through those things, those battles. Um, and it's not going to be easy, but I, I'll, I give you practical and tactical tools uh, to, to battle that and get out of bed and do what needs to be done for you to live your life. Cause God doesn't want you to suffer here. He, and he wants you to be productive and fruitful and, and he wants you to touch all the lives around you. So, you know, that's your calling is to get out of bed and, and, and even though you're tired, just, you know, make it happen if, if it's, if you're physically able. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine it's going to be, um, you know, for most of the people that have gotten this disease and an awful battle to get back to a normal life. But it will happen. You know, it's just going to take an awful lot of time and effort and, you know, persistence, persistence. And, and lots of prayers from all of us trying to help them get, you know, get through it, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a dastardly disease. You know, it's, um, I remember one my husband who's, as I said, he's 86, so he's always getting sick. And uh, he had... Uh, pneumonia he's got an internal uh, defibrillator pacemaker he's got wow. COPD. he's on his second internal <laughs> he had one the battery ran out he used it so much they had to put another one wow. and, <laughs> the trooper. he is one tough man i'll tell you anyway and um he has copd and this balance is shot. So he came down with pneumonia. Of course, we didn't know it was pneumonia. And we hadn't been able to get this COVID shots yet. So we took him. I took him to the emergency room. No, I'm wrong. We had had the first shot. And uh, the doctor looked at him and he said, you know, um, have you been anywhere without a mask? And, of course, he had taken his mask off somewhere. Anyway, the doctor said, if you've had your first shot, and you know he said he had and he said if you've had your first shot the worst this can be is like a really bad cold i'm thinking that was probably not the most accurate statement in the world but at least it gave him encouragement but um you know we live in vermont we have a little community hospital and it's like you know people are going in and out of that place with covid like this no tomorrow it's like you know, it's it just amazes me how this little virus that you can barely see under a microscope has brought the world to its knees. It's just unbelievable to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it you just know? shows you how, how fragile everything that we have is. And, you know, at the end of the yeah. day, it's like, what is the rock? It is it is our love for God and his love for us. That That's, that's undying and unending and everything else is temporary. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'll never forget the, uh, when I, when I got out of the hospital and I, I just finished taking my blood thinners, the blood clots had cleared up, uh, just in the last week, by the way. Uh, but oh. when I got out of the hospital, I guess as a result of all the IVs, um, and they were trying to find veins, um, I guess as a result of the dehydration and, and the virus, and, you know, like my arms were just cut black and blue covered in bruises. And I just remember looking at them and I'd lost 38 pounds. Um, I usually walk around at like two fifteen. I was in the one eighties and, wow. uh, yeah, and I just remember looking down at my body and saying, "Man, all these bruises and the the you know the the ribs sticking out." And I was just like, "This is this is amazing." And I and I just I smiled knowing that like how like my spirit got and God's love got me through this experience, and that my body was just is just a shell and it's it's temporary, you know. And, and so there's a, I talk about that a little bit in the book too. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 I think that, you know. So at the end of the day how can we as a society grab on to, to Jesus more and focus on that relationship, which never decay, never bruises, you know? Yeah, that's true. It's true. It's a good, it's a good message because, um, you know, even though science in this case, you know, had a lot to do, you know, the medicine has to do with a lot with 
helping people and saving people. But there's more to us than just the body. And uh, we do need God, there's no question. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? What do you think says you know the relationship between the medicine and and God? Like, is it are those things gifts that He's given us? Are those? What are your thoughts on that? I think that He has given people the intellect to be able to discover the good things He has put in this world and how to use them. Um, so, I mean, this is just my thought. This is not coming from uh, any theology I know, but. There's so many wonderful things. I mean, in, in plants, for instance, you know, that, um, that uh, you know, if we learn enough to be able to take, you know, certain things and do things with them, you know, they can help people. It's how we make, that's how we've been making medicine for centuries, probably thousands of years. And, you know, it's it's not like weird stuff. It's like stuff that has really worked. So I think that, People have the, you know, we have good minds and we learn from the generation before us. I mean, you know, I, I look back, I just, you know, I remember, um, let's see, I had a grandfather that died of cancer. My first husband died of esophageal cancer and then I got cancer and I thought, oh, I'm done <laughs> because there, there wasn't a good record there. You know, when I knew that had cancer was gone. Um, but, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be born at a later date where people had had more time to work with this stuff. And uh, I had chemo and radiation. I worked every day but one. They've actually reduced even the, uh, the side effects now. Wow. Yeah, but I am you know, I'm seven. Well, I was 69 when I got it. But I look at that and it's like, you know, this is the stuff that God has put in this world and probably throughout the whole universe, if we ever get beyond this planet, that we can use to help other people, you know, and uh, over time we discover them and we, we use them. Science, science is really, you know, it's nothing to me. Science is nothing more than us discovering what God has put out there for us to discover. It sometimes takes a few thousand years, but when we get it. Yeah, and a little, a little trial and error. <laughs> oh, right, a lot of trial and error. But um, yeah, I mean, the medicines we have today, um, if they had had the medicine I had when I had cancer, my first husband would still be alive. And it was, let's see, he died in, um, let's see, he died in 2005, and I got cancer in 2018. So, you know, it's just um, different that we learn how to do tests, you know, that before, I mean, who would ever think of going down someone's throat with a, with a hose that has a light and a camera attached to it? Right. But so we learned about miniaturization but these are all you know to me all of these wonders that we see are because god has given us the intellect to discover these things yeah and you know that that was kind of my mindset after after that that spiritual visitation and after you know my feeling just feeling god's love and, and then and feeling those prayers from all those people washing over me was you know okay why would i like so then I wake up, right? And, and by the way, two things I'd like to point out on that, that the ER doctor came to visit me and he said, it's great to see you up and you look happy. He's like, well, you know, what's going on? And I had to ask him, I was like, was I on any sort of medicine that would cause me to hallucinate? And he said, no, no. When you're in the ER, we're just trying to like stabilize you. We're not worried about giving you medicine at that point. Um, and then number two, I was like, well, maybe it was my oxygen in my brain. He goes, no, you wouldn't start hallucinating at it being in the eighties with the vapothermon. So I, I doubt you were hallucinating. Why? And I'm like, and I didn't share with them what I experienced at that time. But, um, but then shortly after I woke up, again, I'm feeling this joy, this love, and, and just everyone that walked into my, my room, I, I just wanted to, to help some way, shape or form. But this doctor yeah. came in and she had this medicine and she wanted me to sign, like read this packet and with a lot of fine print and 
essentially was it was a, a medicine called bercipinib and she was trying to get me to take a emergency authorized use medicine and i said i am so grateful for you offering me that but i'll turn it down i'll pass uh thank you though and because i still had the the propaganda going through my head about the medicine that it kills you when you're in the hospital so she leaves another nurse came in um and the nurse that came in i asked her you know i was like I was like, she goes, so I understand you turned down your medicine and turned down the medicine. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, she's like, what, what's going on with that? I go, I just don't trust it. I've heard all these horror stories about the medicine that shuts down your kidneys and causes blood clots and all this. And then, and then I could tell she had something very serious to say to me. And, uh, and she said the first doctor, by the way, who I turned on the medicine kind of stormed out of the room. They got, they got a little salty uh, and, and, and I didn't understand it at the time, you know, uh, but she, she said to me, uh, don't call me at midnight when you can't breathe. And she stormed out. And I was like, well, that's what I, but I'm, I'm thinking, right, why would God send me here? Like, I'm good. I'm going to make it like, I'm going to be fine. I don't need this medicine. You know, like literally God's in a spirit to bring me back. Like I'm, yeah. is what I was thinking, Cynthia. Right. But the nurse came in and, and she's, she sat down next to me and she said, um, she said, people die in here every day that either don't believe COVID exists or they refuse to take the medicine until they're about to go on a ventilator. And by then it's too late. She goes, so that's why that doctor got you know, a little salty with you and, uh, and reacted the way she did. And she goes, we're so tired of watching people die that we could save if they would just take the medicine. And, yeah. uh, and, I, and then I asked her, I was like, why are you a nurse? And she says, because uh, 10 years ago, I was in a, a near fatal accident and the doctor, they, the nurses and doctors nursed me back to health. I spent you know weeks uh, or months recovering and I wanted to pay it forward. So I quit my job as a dental hygienist and became a nurse. Uh, and, uh, and I said, man, she cares. She's here for, she wants to help. Um, and God sent her in to, you know, because <laughs> I think God has to work miracles through other people, you know, to a certain degree. And maybe I'm wrong on that, but, uh, but he chose her. And, and, and I said, you know what? Give me the medicine. Yeah. Give, give me all that you got. Cause the, why would the medicine be here if it wasn't for, you know, God, like you said, and, and, uh, and then why, and then why is this? Nurse? So I trusted them. I, I gave them my trust, my heart, my soul, my body, the doctors and, and God. And I, I submitted to everyone. I stopped worrying about getting home for Christmas and I, I took the medicine and I got better. I, my organ swelling went down, my white blood cell count dropped. Um, you know, my, my kidneys never, you know, exploded, you know, thankfully. And, uh, and the COVID was making my kidneys swell, not the remdesivir. The remdesivir is an antiviral. I found out that lowers the virus load on your body. There's still a lot of propaganda out there about that. I took five days of it. I'm alive. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, to me, um, a lot of what we're hearing in the mass media is, you know, I'm not saying people are deliberately doing evil, but they bought into stuff that makes no sense, you know, and, um, you know, the, the big one was the uh, aborted babies and uh, being in the vaccine. And the Vatican spoke out and said, you know, there was no, there's no direct link. No baby was aborted for the purpose of creating this vaccine. There are lines, cell lines they're decades old there is no direct you know so you can take the vaccine and still people fight that it's you know it's just it's evil the, the misinformation is evil mm. and there's so much of it it's actually scary what, what do you, you know? i'm sorry what's scary it's so much misinformation mm-hmm. exactly exactly conspiracy theory and you know, a lot of people are dying of this. They are, and and, yeah. and and I just hope my book can save as many lives as possible. Um, you know, let no one end up like I did or like Brittany did, just you know, gone from the, the earth because of those conspiracies. It's very, yeah. it's very sad. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Okay. Well, um, is there anything else that that you want to sum up with? Anything that's really important that you want people to hold on to? Yes. First off, uh, if you're, if you listen to Cynthia's show, keep doing it. She is amazing. That's number one. Uh, <laughs> thank, and thank you for so much for having me on the show, Cynthia. Um, oh, I really enjoyed, uh, it, it's odd to say that I really enjoyed talking to you, even though the topic was, um, it's a hard topic, but it's an important topic and, uh, you have a good personality where you can convey that information um, I mean, you were even laughing at some at some points, you know, so that's, you know, that that's something that will help people, I think, 
Yeah, let's not take life too seriously, right? And uh, I don't mean that in a in a bad, nope. a lackadaisical way, but we have to I, we have to be joyful. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that and that would be, I, I guess, if there was anything that I would want people, your listeners, to take away is that uh, is that just that God loves you so much, He He really loves you more than you can ever fathom, and uh, and that one day you'll get to experience that love, and um, and just know that while you're here if you try to give uh, 1% of that love to, to everyone you meet, um, everyone that you bump into someone who cuts you off in traffic to some, you know, to, to your coworker that you normally look at apprehensively um, it will change your life for the better. And, and like Cynthia said earlier, it's those little things. It's those small acts of love that, that really matter. And that's why we're here. So if there's anything people can take away from it, just don't miss a chance to, to share that love. And um, that would be it. Okay. That's a, that's a good, uh, good takeaway. And uh, story is, your story is an important one. And it's, it's um, you know, I think it's something that can impact people's lives. So, Well, they'll be able to buy the visitor on Amazon within the next week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. um, would you like to close us in prayer? I would, I would be honored. Thank you, Cynthia. If I was on the Holy Spirit. God, thank you for allowing Cynthia and myself to share our, our um, experiences and how we choose to walk in faith. And please allow the listeners of the radio show to share um, about Cynthia's uh, great faith-based show and bring more people to our church and into our faith so that they can experience your unending, everlasting love. Thank you, good Lord. Amen. Thank you, Cynthia, for allowing me to pray for you, with you. (laughs) You're welcome. And uh, again, thank you for granting me the interview. I think it was excellent. And I I hope that the book has a lot of impact on people. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Cynthia. Okay, you take care of yourself now. (laughs) You too. We'll talk again soon, I'm sure. You bet I will. Okay, bye-bye. Hello, God's Beloved. I'm Annabelle Mosley, author, professor of theology, and host of Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. I invite you to listen in and find inspiration along this sacred journey we're traveling together to make our lives a masterpiece and, with God's grace, become saints. Join me, Annabelle Mosley, for Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. God bless you. Remember, you're never alone. God is always with you. Thank you for listening to a production of WCAT Radio. Please join us in our mission of evangelization. And don't forget, love lifts up where knowledge takes flight.